Um, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If anyone needs a Bible, can you raise your hand? There's people who are coming down the aisle. Vernon is to my right. He's passing out Bibles. Nicole is to my left. She's passing out Bibles. If you need one, please just raise your hand. We're going to open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. 2. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you consistently in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Amen. Please be seated. Praise God for his word. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be able to come together and to fellowship with one another, with our common gaze upon Christ. Oh, Father, would you please help us to love you more as a result of this time together this morning. God, would you be pleased to stir our affections to love Jesus more, to love God's people more, Oh, Father, would you be, be pleased to help us turn from things in our lives that do not bring glory to your name and to turn to you and pursue righteousness and holiness and godliness and grace and mercy and peace, what your word talks about and what Pastor Matt prayed about. Oh, Father, we want more of you this morning. Would you help us to have ears that are able to hear your word? Help us to receive your word with gladness. Give us hearts that are soft and yielded to you, O God. I praise you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Your holy, inspired, infallible word pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. 
discerning and judging the intentions of our heart. Oh God, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, I decrease so that you could increase. You must become greater. I must become less. Oh, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Would you be pleased to minister to your people this morning? Would you encourage them to fan into flame the gift of God that is in them? And may we be reminded that you, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Oh God, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit to be manifested in our lives. So be glorified. To you be all of the honor, all of the glory, and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Usually, when someone dies, they try to make sure that their last words said are very meaningful. Because they know that their time is limited, they don't spend much time talking about meaningless things. When people know that their words, the words that they're about to speak may possibly be their last, they make sure that their words are carefully measured, and talk about things that are most important. The Apostle Paul did this very exact thing as he wrote this letter, 2 Timothy, to his beloved child in the faith. Paul wrote this letter from a prison in Rome, awaiting his execution, he was about to have his head decapitated from his body. He was going to have his head chopped off with an axe. This was a personal farewell letter to his son in the faith, a passing of the baton to Timothy, the baton and gospel ministry. This was a time of intense persecution from Nero and the Roman Empire. There were false teachers upset in the faith of some, lovers of self, and lovers of pleasure over God, and they opposed the truth. The purpose of this letter was to encourage and charge Timothy to guard the gospel, to suffer for the gospel, to persevere in the gospel, and to preach the gospel without shrinking back. Looking to the eternal reward that is found in Christ Jesus. In the first seven verses of chapter one, we see that Paul a faithful spiritual father prays for, remembers, and encourages his spiritual son. In the first two verses, we see Paul's greeting to Timothy. 
In chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. In the very beginning, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, the question that has to be asked is, why does he start off saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, when he's already really, really close with Timothy? It's not like Timothy doesn't know that he's an apostle. I mean, they've been homeboys for a while. But here it is, Paul takes the time to say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. MacArthur points out of this verse, this, he says that when you're a parent, you want to do all you can to be friends with your child. I mean, you want to have a friendly, loving relationship with them. But if you stop at just being a friend, (laughs) the relationship is going to be problematic. Because as a parent, you are an authority figure in their life as well. He said, try to go to work and just be friends with your employer. But if it just stops there at being friends with your employer, and if the employer doesn't establish the fact that he has authority, the work environment is going to be problematic. Well, in the same way, you have the Apostle Paul (laughs) who is a spiritual father to Timothy, his beloved son. And they have a great relationship. They are close with each other, but that doesn't remove the fact that he is an apostle, that he has been given authority by God to write this letter to charge Timothy in the church how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves how we are to live out the Christian life, and how, how we are to bring this gospel to the nations, to guard this gospel, to persevere in this gospel. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It isn't something that Paul chose. God chose him to be an apostle. So his authority comes from God, not from Paul. And then it goes on to say, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. As Paul was in prison, awaiting his execution, I'm sure the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus became all the more sweeter to him. Can you just imagine him in this cold prison, filthy prison? awaiting his execution, knowing that his head is about to be chopped off, looking towards the promise of life that is so dear to him. Even though Paul was physically inside of a prison, spiritually he had freedom. Physically he was bound in chains. Spiritually he was freed by the grace of God. And today... In this room, you may not be in a cold dungeon. You may not be in a prison. You may not be in shackles and chains like like Paul was physically. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are actually in a worse situation than Paul was in. 
because you are in the prison of your own sin. If you don't know Jesus, you are in the dungeon of your own sin. You are in the shackles and chains of your own lust, your own passions and desires. And the only one who can set you free is Jesus Christ. The only one who has the key to give you true freedom is Christ Jesus, the anointed one who's able to change you, deliver you, set you free, and make you righteous in front of God. But you, you must turn from your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This same Jesus Christ that Paul believed in, that Timothy believed in, that Lois believed in, that Eunice believed in, and that many in this room have believed in if you want to be set free. John 3.16 makes it very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. This life in Jesus is abundant. Amen. This life in Jesus is what Paul is talking about, this promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And praise God if you have this promise of life this morning. Because no matter what situation you're in, like the Apostle Paul, if you have this promise of life, you know that whatever situation you're in is temporary. And what awaits you is eternal glory. Amen. If you're here and you don't have this promise of life, do not harden your heart today. Jesus can set you free of the shackles and the chains and the prison that you're in spiritually and give you life. But you must repent and put your trust in him, the one who is God, the one who is Savior, the one who is King, the one who is Master, the one who is Messiah, the one who is able to break your chains. Verse 2, he writes to Timothy, my beloved child. He says some very encouraging words, the words that Pastor Matt prayed. He said, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't just skip over those words. When you hear the word grace, what do you think of? Pause. Pause. When you hear the word grace, Mercy. What comes to mind? Pause. When you hear the word peace, what comes to mind? I'm sure as Timothy read this letter and read these words, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, his heart overflowed with worship. Grace is given to undeserving sinners. Mercy 
is compassion and forgiveness shown towards someone who deserves wrath. So when he now gets to peace, the only reason why Timothy can have peace, or if you're in Christ, why we can have peace is because of grace and mercy. The grace and mercy leads to this peace that is found in Jesus. A peace that gives you rest for your soul. A peace with God that is only through the blood of Christ. And verse... 3 through 5, verses 3 through 5, we see Paul's thankfulness and memories of Timothy. And verse 3, Paul remembers Timothy in prayer. And verse 4, Paul remembers Timothy's tears. And verse 5, Paul remembers Timothy's faith. Verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you consistently in my prayers night and day. Back to the beginning, I thank God. Notice that he doesn't say, I thank Timothy. He doesn't say, Timothy, I thank you for the way that you're preaching the gospel. I thank you for the godliness that I see radiating out of your life. He doesn't say, I thank Timothy. He says, I thank God because Paul knows that any grace that is being displayed out of Timothy's life was given to Timothy by him. So it causes God to worship because of the grace that he sees in Timothy's life. When was the last time we looked at each other in this room and just thanked God because of the gifts that we have seen, because of the grace that we have seen in each other's life, and we just worshiped God? What an example to look at a person and thank God and be driven to a place of exalting God because of grace that you see in someone else's life. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. Paul is pointing to people who was faithful before him. Moses and Noah and Jeremiah, the prophets, Abraham, people who were faithful before him. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. I love that. With a clear conscience. He's in this prison cell about to be executed, and he could say that I have a clear conscience. I don't know of anyone at this point that I have unforgiveness towards. Paul could say, I don't know of any sin in my life right now that I haven't taken the time to go to God and repent of. I don't know of any unreconciled relationships in my life at this time that I haven't striven with all of my might to try to reconcile with these individuals. He has this clear conscience. What a glorious thing to know that you are about to go to glory with a clear conscience. And as Hebrew says, the blood of Jesus washes our conscience. That clear conscience, that total clear conscience can only come from knowing the perfection that's found in Jesus. Because clearly, Paul is not perfect. He's a sinner. But because of Christ, he is blameless. Blameless. 
And he goes on to say, as I remember you consistently in my prayers night and day. Now, it's interesting. He could have just said, as I remember you in my prayers. But he says, as I remember you consistently. And then he goes on to say, night and day. It's like as he's, it's, it's as if he's providing emphasis. I remember you consistently and night and day. Now, this is huge because this is another great example of what it looks like for a spiritual mentor to pray for and encourage and be mindful of his mentee. He's praying night and day. Now, I don't take this to mean that he's praying all the time, not ceasing whatsoever, um, walking wherever he goes, praying. Um, you, he can't have conversations with people because he's in the midst of praying. He can't eat food because he's in the midst of praying. I don't take that to mean that. But when it says night and day, just for clarity, I believe what he's pointing to is when he would pray at night about certain things, Timothy would be mentioned. When he would pray during the day, Timothy would be mentioned. There's a dedication there to his spiritual growth. And I believe Paul knows wholeheartedly that if Timothy is going to persevere in the midst of false teaching, if he's going to preach the word of God faithfully, if he's going to have boldness to proclaim Christ and him crucified in the power of the Holy Spirit, that he needs supernatural enablement. That can only come through prayer. What an example for us of what it looks like for us to pray consistently for the people that we're discipling and mentoring and loving and pouring our lives into. May we be found faithful like the Apostle Paul. Amen. 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 Verse 4. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Now, these tears here, I was trying to read through passages and I was trying to figure out what did these tears come from? It is not as clear, but these tears could have came from the fact that uh, Timothy was facing all kind of pressure and preaching the gospel, going against false teachers. These tears could have came from the fact that when Paul left him in one place and left to another place, Timothy cried because of their sincere, deep relationship. But one thing I do know is that Paul, he remembers his tears. That was something that was logged into his mind. There's a certain type of sincerity and love and bond and compassion that Paul has for Timothy. He remembers his tears, and then he says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. He has such a close discipleship relationship with Timothy that if Timothy was to come and see him and he saw his face, joy would fill his heart. That's a special type of Christian bond. May the Lord work that more and more in our lives and in our hearts for one another by his grace, because it gives glory and honor to our master. In verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. He said, I'm, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, your genuine faith. This is a faith that I've seen in your mom. 
She had this faith, and it was so clear to me that this was a genuine faith. This is a faith that I saw in your grandmother. Her faith was legit. Her faith was real. And that same faith that I saw in your mother, in your grandmother, I see that same sincere faith inside of you. Can you imagine how much that must have encouraged Timothy? To know that the faith that was in his mother and his grandmother, the, one who, the ones who taught him the, the sacred scriptures from childhood, as the word of God says, dwelt inside of Timothy. Praise God. Praise God for faithful parents. Praise God for faithful grandparents. Praise God for faithful parents and grandparents who prayed for us and shared the word of God for us and prayed for us in times when we didn't even know. And here's an application. If you are a parent or a grandparent, sow the faith that you have into your children, into your grandchildren. Continue to do it nonstop believing that the faith that you have one day, by God's grace, if he chooses to, will dwell inside of your grandchild or your child. But here's something else to think about. If you're a child or you're a teenager here in this room, I want you to know that it's not just enough to look at your grandparents or your parents' faith and think that that will be enough to save you, to look at their godliness and to admire them and to think that that would be enough to make you righteous. You must embrace Jesus Christ for yourself. It's not enough just to memorize catechisms, and it's not enough just to quote certain things. You must embrace Christ and live for him, surrender your life and follow him. There's a saying that says, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He has children. And you can be his child. But just like your parents or your grandparents, you must repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and trust in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith alone. And he will make you righteous. And that faith that you see in your mother or your grandmother will dwell in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verses 6 and 7, we see Paul's call for courage and a reminder of God's empowerment. Verse 6, it says, For this reason... What reason? The faith that is inside of you. For this reason, this faith that is so powerfully at work in you, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you, this gift, this Holy Spirit that is inside of you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, from the text, it seems that when Paul laid his hands on Timothy along with other elders, there was a confirmation, a confirming of, a recognizing of gifts that was in Timothy. The Holy Spirit that dwells inside of Timothy has also given Timothy gifts. Just as 
we have gifts here in the body of Christ. We have this same Holy Spirit, and because of this Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, every single person in the body of Christ has been given gifts. Paul tells Timothy in context here specifically to fan into flame the gift of God that was given him. To fan that into flame. To rekindle the gift that he had. It could be because Timothy was becoming timid. And we know from reading that he did struggle with being timid. It could be that he didn't really want to address these false teachers with the type of boldness that he was addressing them with before. So Paul has given him consistent encouragement to fan the gift of God into flames. He rekindled that. My grandfather, I mean, that dude, when it came to barbecuing, he was a beast. I'm telling you, his ribs were off the hook. So when summertime came, I was so looking forward to him grilling. Um, He would always try to get me to help him, and I really didn't help him, but I would eat the food. Um, But my my grandfather, I would watch him, and I would see him um, start preparing the grill. And, you know, he had to stir the coals. He had to continue to stir the coals in order to keep the fire burning. (laughs) And if the coals want unintended for a certain amount of time, it was just a matter of time before the flame died out. Paul is telling Timothy, rekindle, fan into flame the gift that is inside of you, that God has given you. And the way to do that is to actively step out by faith and preach God's word or serve or do administration or gifts of helps or whatever it is that God has given you. Fan that thing into flame. Don't allow that thing just to sit. God has given gifts to the body for us to use. And there may be gifts that he wants you to use that you haven't stepped out on yet. And I want to encourage you this morning to fan those gifts into flame. Step out by faith and watch the Holy Spirit empower you to do what you can't do in your own might. Notice how in verse 7 it says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Our human tendencies, our natural tendencies, is to fear. Our natural tendencies is to shrink back. Our natural tendencies is to rely on our own strength. Fear keeps us from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fear keeps us from loving with the supernatural love that God gives us. Fear keeps us from this self-control that the Bible talks about. But the Bible says that God has not gave us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Power is an enablement to do what God calls you to do. God will never call you to do what he won't give you the strength to accomplish. God is going to give you what you need to accomplish. So when Paul says to Timothy, fan that thing into flame, 
God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, self-control. Power, love, and self-control. He's telling Timothy, rely on God's spirit. Yield to God's spirit and exercise the gift that God has given you. So power, love, this love is a supernatural love. It's not like a human love. It's a supernatural love to love God and to love people. For Timothy, he needed to have this supernatural love to be patient with false teachers, as it says. This supernatural love to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel because he wanted to see people come to Christ. This supernatural love to be talked about and to still respond in a gracious manner. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Self-control. This self-control is sensible thinking. It's a sensible thinking. I mean, think about it. Here it is. The Apostle Paul is such a great model of what self-control looks like. He's in this filthy, cold prison cell. And where he should be complaining, thinking of all the worst things, he's able to write someone else to encourage him in the mission. He has this sober thinking about eternal perspective, about an eternal perspective in eternal realities. He's sober-minded. Only the Holy Spirit could make someone respond that way. Only God could make someone respond that way. Paul modeled this sensible thinking so well. Listen to this. He died thankful with a clear conscience, praying to God and for other people. This is how he died. He died giving thanks, I thank God. He died with a clear conscience. And praying to God and praying for other people. What a way to end your life. What a way to end your life. To where you have such an eternal perspective that in your worst state physically, you can have thankfulness bursted out of your heart. You can have a clear conscience of sin because of Christ. And you could be praying in your last moments going to glory. Oh, God, give us that type of faith. Please, Lord, for your namesake, for your glory, and for our joy. We deeply need that, Lord. So final applications. If you're a mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, and I would go on to say um, child care worker, <laughs> um, small group leader. Um, I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Find ways to encourage your mentees to point out the grace of God in their life. Timothy needed this encouragement in order to persevere and we all need that type of encouragement, don't we? Find ways to encourage the people that you're pouring into. 
to po- find ways to point out the evidences of grace that you see in their lives, how God is at work in them. If you don't have a mentee, or a, I'm sorry, a mentor, find someone that can mentor you. Seek out a man or a woman who can invest in your life. Someone who can pass on the baton of gospel ministry in your life. And lastly, I would say this. Fan into flame the gift of God that God has given you. I know in in a room like this, with as many people that are in this room, there's people that are sitting on their gifts. Like I said, whether it's the gift of administration, teaching, preaching, helps, serving, evangelism, we can just go on and on. I know that someone needs to hear this morning that they need to be encouraged to fan into flame their gift. It's a gift of God. God has given it to you, not for you to keep and hold on to, but for you to use to build up his kingdom. So I pray that God would do that work more in my heart and more in your heart as well, if that is you. Um, Let's close in prayer. Father God, I deeply desire to not only live well, but like the Apostle Paul, I want to die well. Lord, I pray that all of us in this room would not just have a desire to live well, but to die well. Paul wanted you to be honored in his body, whether through life or death. He wanted you to be glorified. Oh, Father, in our times of weakness, in our times of discouragement, in our times of feeling timid, may we recognize that just like Timothy, we can rely on your Holy Spirit. We can yield to your Holy Spirit, knowing that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Lord, would you please grow us as a church by your grace in understanding how to yield to this power, how to yield to your Holy Spirit. And you're going to accomplish the things through us that needs to be accomplished, Father. You use nobodies. You've always used nobodies. And someone who yields himself to you will be used powerfully, apart from credentials, apart from resources, and the person who has resources and credentials, you use that person when he renounces those things in order to rely on you. So, Father, would you make us a people more and more by your grace who yields to your power, people who exercise self-control, people who demonstrate a supernatural love, people who pass on the baton like like Paul did to Timothy and Timothy did to others. And that's why we're here in Southeast D.C. now with the gospel is because your unfailing mission reached this place and so many other places. Oh God, would you increase our faith to go forward with this mission? Would you help us to encourage one another in this mission for your glory and help us to be faithful 
mentors who pray for, who encourage, and who remind mentees of ours of your faithfulness, of your grace, and the hope that is found in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.